0: Hey movie lovers, Liam here from Rough Cut Fan Club. Michael asked me to record a quick message for you all about who we are and our latest charity drop. So who is Rough Cut? Well, we're a collective that cultivates fan culture for cult and art cinema. We do that through releasing shirts, posters, and zines. Our shirts are released as double feature drops representing some of our favorite movies, some very well known, others less widely explored, and our focus is on great design and trying to foster some sense of community. Uh, Along those lines, we've done a number of designs that benefited specific causes. We designed something that thematically fit with something that was going on in the world, and we donate all proceeds from that drop to organizations that were on the ground trying to help people and directly affect issues. In light of the brutal murder of George Floyd and the struggles across the country against police brutality, uh, we have released a design for Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, a classic, uh, possibly one of the first films in the exploitation genre, and uh, undoubtedly an angry cry against an unjust system. Proceeds from this shirt will be donated to various bail funds uh, across the country. Originally, we were gonna donate exclusively to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. However, they recently announced that they've been overwhelmed with donations and encouraged folks to find other organizations to donate to. And considering uh, arrests around the country now are topping about 5,000, there's probably a lot of people who need help. Check us out at roughcutshirts.com, tell a friend, find us on Instagram, uh really you know whatever you can do to support and thanks Michael for having us featured on the show actually discusses movies be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements endings surprise twists unexpected cameos and all manner of spoilers if this doesn't appeal to you why listen to a movie podcast without further ado please enjoy our feature presentation the shameless picture show Hello and
1: welcome to another episode of the Shit and Picture Show. I am Michael Viers, and I'm flying solo today. Um, And this is actually kind of a fun little episode for you guys because this is... I don't want to call it a bonus episode because this is an official episode. This is season 4, episode 11. But it's coming to you early. As some of you know, that my last episode was was released late because of uh, everything going on with the protests and uh, the brutal murder of George Floyd. Um, I took a little extra time to put that episode out because I wanted to get in there a message from Liam O'Donnell, who is the, I guess, owner of Rough Cut Fan Club, a t-shirt company. He hates calling it a company because it's such a small operation, but Rough Cut Fan Club because they were doing a charity drop for to raise money for the Minnesota Freedom Fund. And uh, since then, they've been raising money for actually a couple different charities because the Minnesota Freedom Fund is being overwhelmed with donations, so they're going to spread the money all over the place. Um, you're actually going to hear, um, you've actually just heard William talking about that at the beginning of this episode. Um, so, that episode came out late, and then this episode's coming out early. This shouldn't even be dropping until n- probably next week. But with everything going on and with... Liam doing a the sweet sweetback's badass song T-shirt drop. I wanted to bring this out early, hopefully to get help him raise a little bit more money for these charities, and because it's topical. Um, for any of you who are reading the description, you know that my guest this week is Liam o- Liam O'Donnell. Sorry, something caught in my throat, and um, it was a really great chat. Um, I just re-listened back to it as I was editing it. And I was really happy with the way it turned out. Um, Yeah, um, a couple things of note to mention before we get to the conversation with Liam. First off, um, we had some technical difficulties. We were having issues with delay. Um, I feel like I've got it all synced up. But if things kind of feel like uh, we're not reacting properly to each other, it's because we were both struggling with a little bit of delay on our end. But we made it work. And, uh, obviously because where my recording studio is, I've got a window right by, right by me and it's too beautiful of a day not to have the window open very much like right now. So you're going to hear birds chirping. I've tried to minimize it, but honestly, like you come to this show for the rawness. You don't come to this show for it to be NPR. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, like I said, I had, a. am very thankful that Liam, Took some time away from his busy schedule to come and talk with me. Uh, Liam, since I didn't get a chance to officially now uh, introduce him on the show, Liam is the owner slash operator of Ru- the Rough Cut Fan Club. He does it with a friend of his uh, who makes the designs, and then Liam handles all the other stuff. And uh, he also runs the website slash podcast Empire CinePunks. Uh, his whole goal in life was to kind of bring film culture to the punk scene and uh, I think he's doing a fantastic job at that throughout the conversation of this we talk about how both the rough cut fan club got started how cinepunks got started his love for cinema his passion for civil rights and for human rights Uh, we talk a lot about the world currently uh, George Floyd's murder the protests that are going on and how we are both in support of them And uh, systematic oppression. Uh, Liam mentions in the podcast that he is of Puerto Rican descent. And uh, this is all all very important to him. And it should be important to everyone. Because you can't live your life with your head in a hole and just think that everyone's got a fair shot in this world because it's not true. So once I found out that Liam was raising money using movie t-shirts to support these causes i i knew i wanted to have them on the show because not only is it topical but it really sticks to our mantra of trying to you know support film and film culture so uh, this is my conversation with liam o'donnell and thank you guys for listening um and if you have any extra cash i really recommend throwing some of it towards some of the charities that could use your help right now i know i have and i know a lot of you have um But, you know, there's more that we could do. So, thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the episode. When me and my wife got married, before we got married, we had a a joint bachelor and bachelorette party because neither of us are really partiers and... Uh, And I used to work at a theater chain at the time, and I pulled some strings, and we got to kick out a... uh, Whatever movie did not sell any tickets that night, I got to overtake that that theater room and do a double feature. And we did a double feature of Phantom of the Paradise and Evil Dead 2. And I specifically wanted to show Phantom of the Paradise first, because I knew if I showed Evil Dead 2 first, everyone would watch it. And then, because most people were only going to stay for one movie... They'd all watch that and then leave, so I wanted to show the movie that no one had heard of first, and hopefully to blow a couple people's minds.
0: I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so, like I said, I, I didn't come really heavily prepared to this interview like I usually do, because for a couple reasons. One, I just met you the other day. Fair. And so I've not really got a chance to do any deep diving, and I, I mostly wanted to, to do this interview so I could help. Get some support for the for your cause and get some get some recognition to you and what you're trying to do. Like I said, uh, I, I have to thank uh, Adriana Gober because she's the whole reason I've I found out who you guys are because uh, she shared your your link uh, or shared the picture of the sweet sweetback design on Instagram, and I just I love the aesthetic of of your shirts. I don't really quite know what to call it, but when I saw the, your slogan is movie t-shirts for punks and it's like it all just kind of clicked um, and I just knew like I know there's a lot of charities and there's a lot of things going on but something about a movie company who's active or a company that loves movies who's actively doing something to help really clicked with me
0: it's so funny to call it a company because it's just the two of us it's me and my friend justin and the uh breakdown is basically justin does the designs and i do all the legwork uh i work with the printer i fill all the orders uh and then we we work together when it comes to setting the tone and the vision figuring out what we're gonna uh uh, decide is the next design and and we, unlike a lot of companies, we we are kind of open to all cult cinema. So, um, the question of what we want to do next is a pretty broad question, and it can be tricky because our uh, vibe is very much obscure, and so we want to do stuff that like isn't as obvious. Uh, however, it can't be too obscure that no one buys any shirts. So we we really need mm-hmm. to. Uh, sort of thread the needle a little bit Um, but Justin's described his style as a uh, cut and paste collage style and that's really besides the fact that we both are uh, dudes who grew up in the punk and hardcore scene that's really why we made the connection to um, DIY and punk culture is because of the style that he's doing which is influenced by a number of other sort of contemporary things especially I would say he gets influenced a lot by like um, Czech and Polish uh, cinema but Uh, The actual mechanism tends to be a very physical cut and paste uh, or at least influenced by that and kind of referencing that DIY culture, which is take something and make something new from it. You know, take take a thing that exists and reformat it to be something new. Uh, But we're very much think of ourselves more as a fan club. You know, our our orders are small. We're small. We're not really trying to be out here. Uh, building a huge brand. If it grows to the point where it could be a thing that exists in the world, that's fine. We're not against success or some crazy stuff like that. But right now, it's very much like a, a DIY project. Well,
1: I guess I will say, since we, we had talked off air, that you are going to be, weirdly enough, moving closer to me, which is funny because we just met. uh I'll be like about an hour and a half away from you. So if at any point you need help fulfilling orders, I don't mind taking a day trip down and, uh, helping you pack some shirts up. Oh,
0: I appreciate that. I, uh, I'd i have to figure out a method for you to be a part of it because, like, right now, I just have figured out a way for me to do it. So I'd have to come up with, like, some sort of, like, all right, pack this stuff. Like, I don't even do, like, a packing list, which which would be smart. I literally just... Each order, when it's time for me to do orders, I look at it, I go get it off the shelf, I pack it, I throw some cool stuff in there because we always try to put a little bit of extra uh, stuff in there. And, and there you go. And uh, granted... We've had a couple orders now where there's so many that that's probably not a good way to do it. But I just like doing it. It feels very personal. It feels very much like I'm sending something to a friend unless like I'm fulfilling an order.
1: If you don't mind me asking, like what came first did it was it was it cuz like i guess i'm i'm still kind of learning sure, sure. who you are as a person and what you're about you you run a website called cinepunks and i believe that's also the name of your podcast and then you you run rough cut fan club which one of those two things came first
0: so <clears throat> um, cinepunks definitely came first the the rough cut thing came about because me and justin uh have known each other for a while and it's because we knew each other from the music scene and then we also got to know each other through film. So in Philadelphia, uh where I last lived, um there's an organization called Exhumed Films that has been doing film screenings for mm-hmm. 20 years I think. Um I certainly went way back in the day, just out of high school, uh the first Exhumed thing I went to was actually a double feature of uh Evil Dead 2 and Halloween. And at the time um, getting the rights to Halloween was very difficult. So it was Evil Dead 2, an unnamed second feature, uh, and the print was super rough, but finding a print of Halloween at the time was very hard. And, you know, I didn't even know anything about, you know, this is this in the 90s, probably like 98, 99, something like that. So um, uh, I I just was so amazed that, I was in a theater about to see this double feature. It was unbelievable. It was on Halloween night as well. So that was just like a perfect context for it. Anyways, point being, um, this group was just a bunch of dudes who just wanted to screen films and, and through that started to collect movies and slowly became what is, in my opinion, one of the most important, uh, cultural organizations in the city and really has kept alive, not just horror, but, uh, but exploitation westerns like all kinds of cinema in the philadelphia area specifically on 35 millimeter and justin has worked with them for a long time been a part of their production crew he used to work at one of the organizations that they screened at so he would help them there has done a lot of uh designs for them and he works full-time as a professional designer working for all kinds of uh larger companies doing huge programs and uh i think he loves his work but he does a lot of stuff on the side to stay connected whether that's for bands he's done designs for like uh, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. He's done designs for when uh, RZA was doing those live scores for 36 Chambers. He did a bunch of the posters for that. Uh, he uh, has worked I've with I've seven... seen those, yeah. Yeah, that's him. He's done work with uh, 7-L and Esoteric, he, uh, uh, which, you know, 7-L is, is Zarface, so he's done work with Zarface, uh, and he's also uh, done a few things that made their way into actual releases. So the release of uh, The Man with Two Left Feet that uh, Travolta exploitation film, he did the design for that. So, um, uh, as well as some other bigger productions, he'd actually probably get mad at me if he was here because he's done some much larger things that I, ha- I don't know. Point being, he's done a lot of legitimate stuff. But one of the things we noticed is that there are a lot of people in the game, let's say, the game of t-shirts. Uh, and some of those people are people who are doing it legitimately and some of them aren't. But uh, we just weren't impressed by the designs. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody. I'm just saying we felt like we could, uh, between his design work and, uh, pushing, uh, the company or I say company, really just the two of us, our, our club a little bit. Um, and really picking movies that not a lot of people were doing shirts for that we could kind of create our own space. Uh, and I was very interested in that because I was already doing CinePunks and CinePunks really started. As just one podcast. Uh, When I was living in Philadelphia, me and my friend Josh were part of the Philadelphia Film Society, and we were really involved in that organization. But that organization is, uh, or at least in the past, I can't speak for it now, has been a lot of people who just want to be part of a society and less people who are passionate about film. Uh, And it's a lot of people who have money and resources, and we realized that not only was it very white, it was a very... Uh, homogenous group of white folks and you know I'm Puerto Rican my man Josh is Filipino we have tattoos we wear band shirts to these events like people are wearing suits to the screening and wearing like a his hero's gone shirt you know it's like it, it just felt like there wasn't a vibe for us there and we thought well what if we uh, start this podcast as a way to like create uh, a space for people to have conversations that are kind of uh, outside the norm uh, and and really kind of breaking down that barrier between uh, high and low film. You know, you were saying that art house cinema was actually a way for you to get into exploitation cinema. Well, that's kind of like where we're at. Like, we like good movies. We're not too concerned about whether people qualify them as art or not we have different tastes so we get to like spring in our tastes on each other in fun surprise ways and force the other person to watch something that might not have otherwise watched um and i love that i love that i get to expose josh to exploitation cinema he wouldn't watch otherwise i love that he made me watch the entire fast and furious franchise even though i would have never on my own uh and (laughs) you know that's sort of where that began and then from there our one podcast when we developed our website, we like were redoing the site. We realized we had a lot more storage than we thought we needed. So we started inviting other people to like move their projects or to start new projects. And uh, we've had a lot of different shows and a lot of different writers over the past six years. But uh, we now are basically at about eight shows covering not just film, but uh, culture, um, music, Comic books. Um, we even have a show called Fat Girl Hacks that's about uh, body positivity and sort of living into the world in the body that you're in and trying not to feel attacked by the world that you're a part of. And so, anyways, we, we we have a variety of things on the network, and we try to get a diverse group of people to write for the site. So um, when we when I started Rough Cut, it's really important to me that Rough Cut be its own thing in some ways. But I also think, like, we help each other out. Like, CinePunks gives us a place to promote some of our stuff. But also, Rough Gun has its own audience Mm -hmm. that's totally separate from CinePunks that I can then promote CinePunks to. And I don't know how effective that's been. I think it's been uh, one direction more than the other. But it's kind of cool to have the two places. And... um, To be able to work with different people, you know, uh, we've gotten to do a few collaborations now for Rough Cut. Um, Cinnabunks has definitely got to work with a few different cultural organizations. And I'm hoping eventually uh, both those projects will grow to be such their own things that it just means a diversity of communities that I get to, you know, uh, sort of call together. You know, I think of myself as... Uh, a bit of a communer, like that. I I call things into community a little bit. And so uh, that's hard to do in virtual space. And that's really where Cinepunks lives right now is in virtual space. Uh, We've done a few Mm -hmm. in-person events, but most of our community is, is virtual. And so I think that's a new place to sort of ask people to be together in creative ways. Uh, But I think rough cut is becoming that as well. Uh, I don't think rough cut will ever have a, have a home city, even though I might, be in philly or not in philly you know i'm going to be in the chicago area soon justin is in the philly area uh but the people who buy our shirts are worldwide which is crazy when i say that that sounds like a big flex our numbers aren't huge we don't have a huge customer base per se but the people who buy our shirts are all across the planet and that's kind of cool. And every time I send something out international, I mean, I do say a little prayer cause God knows if it's going to get there, especially in COVID times, Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff I've, I've had to issue quite a few refunds recently cause the shirts never showed up. But, uh, but I'm willing to take that chance just because I love that someone, you know, in Japan, someone in Ireland, someone in Germany or the Netherlands wants our shirt. Uh, you know, I've even shipped to Australia, New Zealand now. Awesome! Like, I love that. I'll take the chance, and if we eat the cost, so be it. I'd rather take a chance just to know that someone that far away is repping our stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's also cool too because, like, while because my podcast is very similar to yours in that uh, it's it's living on a in a, in a completely digital space, and you know, I've always wanted to try to kind of get something a little bit more tangible and get out there a little bit more. But it can be hard when you don't have money or funds or any way to do that. So you just kind of hope that you can you can pick up enough of a following. I've been doing this for four years and my numbers are still extremely modest um, because it's also extremely hard to advertise yourself in a digital space. But it's, it's kind of interesting to see where the numbers come from, like kind of how you're surprised that you have people buying your stuff from, uh, from another country. There is a period of time, and I've changed my server so I can't like look up regionally where things are coming from. I had a four-month span of everything that I was putting out was coming from little places in Russia. And, I was, and then, like, also Australia. It's like, oh, shit. It may only be one or two downloads, but still, there's we've somehow tapped into another country. And mm-hmm. I, th- that kind of blew my mind. And I, I'd like to think content is a big part of the reason why. You know, there's a lot of... White dudes talking about movie podcasts out there. I'm just one of one in a million, but I feel like what me and my co-host Nick bring to the table is a little bit different. You know, he I'm more aesthetics driven when it comes to film. He while was a filmmaker, still is a filmmaker. Came from a literary background, so he's far more story focused. So we'll sometimes butt heads over things like that, where you know I'll tout about something's music, and he's like, I didn't even realize the music. I wasn't even listening for it, (laughs) like things like that, and. Uh, it sounds like you and your co hosts have something, have a similar thing too, where you different tastes and you kind of bring different things to the table.
0: Yeah, and it's I I think with the uh, Cinepunks, it's very much also about our friendship. That like when we talk, we very much mm-hmm. love each other, so we don't try to pose. You know, a lot of podcasts are about being experts, and that's great, but we're not experts, and we we don't try to be experts. We're not trying to give out the idea that we know all the things, and in fact. I think our best episodes are the ones where we're discovering that, like, not only did we watch stuff we've never watched before, but we did some research and found some stuff out that, like, we didn't know about. Uh, But if someone's tuning in being like, well, I can't wait for these people to give me all the background on the filming of this movie, sometimes that doesn't happen, man. Like, we we have lives. I think the, I think the, um, appeal the show is more about our interaction but you know i i will say i'm definitely one of those over committed podcast people i got cinepunks also on the network is horror business where we just talk about horror movies that's me and my man justin lore um and what i think is appealing about that show is less me and more justin because he's so passionate about horror movies and he uh oh i hear that phone ring uh he uh he very much is still oh, yeah. <laughs> he, st- he very much is still afraid of horror movies which is I think is so rare like he actually will talk about a movie he's will actually be like this made me afraid and i love that i find that so like charming because i can't remember the last time i was like that actually afraid at a horror movie uh and then i do a project i I, a while ago i joined in with my friend doug tilly who lives in canada he had a show called uh eric roberts is the fucking man and so i jumped in when his (laughs) co-host couldn't do that show anymore i jumped in to fill in on that show and uh when that we eventually ended that project once we had talked to eric roberts we have an episode we re-interview eric roberts it kind of felt like everything after that was like anticlimactic it was like (laughs) why are we still doing this show we already talked to eric like we've done everything so we have a new project called cinema smorgasbord and we just absorbed that show cinema smorgasbord is basically the thesis is we couldn't decide on a topic for the show so underneath the umbrella cinema Mm -hmm. smorgasbord are like 10 shows so we have an eric roberts show we have a show where we just talk about films that played old genre fests that maybe uh, people have still love or don't love and we kind of pit them against each other. We have a show called Forgotten Gems where we look for uh, movies that Uh, won awards but no one really like they're not part of the canon we have other shows directed uh, dedicated to specific actors like we have a carol Kane show a steve buscemi show a jackie chan show so like you know it's really just a way for us to keep it interesting because we wanted something with topics so that the conversation is directed you know cinepunks is random you have no idea every episode of cinepunks you have no idea what the fuck we're going to be talking about it could be anything with cinema Board, it's fun because it's shorter and more directed and more focused but it still allows us to be random it's just random within certain parameters every show has a focus but each week is a different focus so i kind of love that idea it's like there's only eight options but who knows mm-hmm. which of the eight options are next week you know i kind of like that
1: yeah, and actually, it's funny, I'm, I'm kind of doing that, with, like, so when the Shameless Picture Show came to be, me and Nick had, like, a very, and it wasn't, like, a strict, like, here's how each episode's gonna go, um, but, like, we were trying to be a little bit more, um, uh, you know, on the ball, and then it started becoming where, like, uh, our, our idiosyncrasies became part of the show, like, the, like, we'll have, like, a 15-minute preamble before I even get to the intro of the show, and things like that, or, uh, um, uh, and I I meticulously edit every episode, but there will even be times where like we'll talk about editing something out, and I'll keep it in just because it's funny. Uh, and, and then like uh, um, eventually, at one point, I started doing bonus episodes, not for any other reason other than that. Like oh shit, since he lives in Maryland, he runs a public access television station, and has kids and a wife and everything. And I work full time and I've got a wife and this is something that we do it bi-weekly because I'd go crazy if I had to do this weekly. And I started doing bonus episodes as a way like, okay, I don't have an episode this week, but here's a moment with Michael where I would just talk about whatever. And that slowly became me um, reviewing discs. And then, like, I started doing interviews, and, like, they're all just kind of under the umbrella of the Shameless Picture Show. So, like, you get episodes with me and Nick. You get episodes where it's just – a lot of them with just me talking about, you know – bloodsuckers from outer space or something crazy from vinegar syndrome or milk Creek or arrow or whoever sends me stuff. And then there'll be episodes like this or the one I did with Adriana, for, uh, where it's just a, an interview where I was just shooting the shit and talking. And I, I like to, and I've not had anyone complain about the way I'm doing it. So I'd like to imagine that it's going over pretty well. Uh, and it's kind of fun to hear someone else who's got uh, very ADD tendencies with his, with his content and wants to try different things.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, I think that's just very true of everything I do. I'm always kind of like switching gears and trying new things, which can be bad because it, then it kind of feels like you're not finishing anything, but um, I don't know. Uh-huh. I, 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 I don't feel that bad about it.
1: So one one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this show is not on the fact that I just yeah, I just met you and I've become kind of enamored with you as a person because you remind me a lot of myself and you seem like you have very similar tendencies and, and an interests and enjoyment when it comes to film because my whole thing is I try to embrace film culture. I love I was it goes back to what I was talking about before where you have when you have lowbrow meet highbrow and I, I I've always kinda had like this fascination where the two meet where you'll you'll be in an event where people will be, say, like dressed a little bit nicer because they're more of the pretentious film crowd. Nothing wrong with that crowd. I'm friends with a lot of people in that crowd. But then you have other people wearing like punk t shirts and, 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 and leather vests and stuff like that and where they all kind of meet. And my whole thing is to celebrate film culture in every facet, whether it be lowbrow, highbrow, and that was one of the things that fascinated me so much about uh, what you're doing, but then, because like, what got me turned on to Rough Cut was your current uh, t-shirt drop in support of everything that's going on right now in the world with, uh, with uh, the protests and the Black Lives Matter um, funding. And I, I, I felt really akin to this where, like I said, it's, it's, it's one thing to just, you know, to, to, to post political statuses and try to get people to listen to you. But like when you're using cinema for, for good, that really spoke to me. So I uh, the reason I wanted you on here today is I'd love to hear your thoughts about why you want to do this this t-shirt for sweet sweetbacks badass song how that came to be how the design came to be and um yeah just give me a rundown man i want to hear you here, talk here, about
0: here. this sure 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 uh i mean it's important i think to say that like this wasn't new for us there there are a lot of people and i want to give respect to those people who do it who are out here um offering things that are like outside their norm so you know i mean uh uh, i still go to a lot of like punk and hardcore shows and a lot of bands and record labels are out here offering stuff where that's not something they do on the regular they're so moved by what's happening that they've made special designs or they're offering test presses or they're doing auctions of bundles they're doing whatever they can to raise money and i'm sure some of that comes out of a feeling of uh, powerlessness like what else can we do but raise money um but it's you know it's it's out of their norm Uh, For us, we've been doing charity shirts from the beginning, and it was just a feeling of as soon as we started doing this and it became clear that we were going to get enough orders, that we were going to keep doing it, which wasn't clear. I mean, we had no idea if anyone was going to buy a single shirt. But within about five or six drops, we were like, okay, people are into it. We're not going to quit our jobs or anything, but clearly like, we're selling shirts. Uh, we should do a charity shirt like we should think about a cause and that was um, right at the time that uh, they passed the abortion bans in uh, Mississippi and somewhere else that I'm forgetting Uh, Tennessee maybe Uh, anyways so uh, we decided to do a charity shirt for that so we made a shirt for the movie Daisies. And we just said, hey, uh, this is the shirt we're doing. All the proceeds from this are going to go to these very specific charities just so it wasn't like we're raising money vaguely. But it's like we're going to give money to this organization, this organization. Here's the shirt. Whatever. Uh, And it did really well. And we raised, um, I think, $800 total, which maybe isn't a ton of money, but for us, we were like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe that was the response we got. So then from there, it just seemed like after a few of our own designs we'd just regularly be like hey is there something going on that we want to give money to so we did an uh alucarda uh shirt that was specifically for um organizations dealing with immigration and with uh uh, children being put in cages and whatever and so basically we were about to drop a whole other thing we had a design ready to drop on that friday and justin just got in touch and was like you know this is popping off and I really think that there's going to need to be money for all the protesters and things like that. Like let's do something. So that sweepback back design happened in a day. Like it usually takes Justin, you know, I wouldn't say two weeks, but you know, uh, probably about a month of planning of what we want to do. And then at least two weeks of working and tweaking a design to really feel like it's ready to go. And in one day he had that sweet, sweet back uh, design done. And it was basically us saying like, yeah, we're ready to go on this other thing. But even though it's early, like I don't think people realized how widespread these protests were going to go. It was clear that people were already getting arrested. Mm -hmm. They were already getting brutalized and they were already going to need bail funds. Now, Uh, I want to be clear for folks who maybe uh, already got a shirt or are – I don't know if we'll still have the shirts ready when this goes out. But assuming they're still out there, we're going to give way past the uh, Minnesota Freedom Fund – like. That's a great organization. They've been overfunded, actually. Uh, The response has been huge from people. So I think we're going to look not even just for bail funds. I think we're going to look at mutual aid organizations, look into uh, specifically organizations that help black trans folks. Uh, But the idea is when we decided to do the shirt. There wasn't that much going on. And since the shirt's been dropped, there's a million things going on. So we that's great. Well, that's not a problem yeah. at all. Just means we're going to adjust and make sure we're strategic with where we're donating our money. So I think the page still says the Minnesota Freedom Fund, we're going to do more than that. But point being is that it was already in our nature to want to do that. So it's not like we had to break up. So it, we just were already like, look, we have a platform. The platform's not big. But with ETH Drop, we've been able to raise a little under a thousand sometimes less than that depending on what the shirt is uh we've been able to raise a little bit of money so like why not do that like why again um why just use our platform for ourselves it just doesn't make sense you know and i think it, it's important because it's uh i think it's something that from very early on we felt like would, would represent something we hope comes across like uh, you know w- We make shirts. We make other things, too. Posters, zines. But primarily, we make shirts. There's nothing ethical to that. And by that, I don't mean to say that in doing a charity thing, we're somehow like virtuous or whatever. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is there's no obvious idea of a vision and aesthetic and ethics of philosophy sometimes you just make shirts because you can make shirts right by doing the charity thing as well as some of the other things that we do the types of movies we choose how we choose to promote other organizations we choose to promote as part of who we are we're putting out more than just the shirts you know we're putting out an idea of who we are of what we care about of what's important to us it's like and and I think all those things are tied together. I think the aesthetic decisions you make are tied to your vision of the world, to your philosophy, to your, uh, you know, your idea of what the world is like. And so we're hoping to communicate all those things as part of who we are. Um, and maybe that's too lofty. Maybe people just want cool shirts and they don't care about what we think the world is like. But you know, fuck you. I don't care. You know, I if that's the feeling, then that's then. You know, this is not the company for you. And, and, and honestly, we haven't had to deal with much of a backlash because our audience is not that big. So we don't have a bunch of random people who might be offended. I think we made a stand pretty early on. I mean, when we when those abortion bans came through, we didn't just give money to random people. We chose organizations that help pay for abortions for people who can't afford them. And I felt like that was very clear. This is what we care about. It's not just a vague, oh, we gave money to Planned Parenthood. This is like, these are people that help with this in a very direct way. And so I think that's always been sort of part of who we are. But it's also we want to be clear. It's not it's also very limited. Right. We're just giving money. Uh, and I think everyone could do that. You could just give money. Um if I personally had more of my own money, I'd probably give more money than what we're doing, but I can raise money through these shirts. So it means now I have resources to share. Uh, if I just gave from my bank account, there's not a lot in there. So I don't, it, it's not going to have the same impact as a, our our shirt. will.
1: it's, it's funny. You mentioned that, um, or at least it's funny to me because it, it it's kind of relevant to something I saw earlier today where you had said that you haven't had a whole lot of backlash because not only is your, is your, your audience, your net, rather small, all things considered, but you've been pretty upfront about what you, what you're, what you believe early on. And like, normally I'd be like, yeah, that makes complete sense. But then like I, it's, it's, this is a little tangential, but I find it funny. So I, I've always felt like, oh yeah, if you're, if you're honest about who you are and what you're, what you believe in early on, there should be no surprises. Well, I, you know, I'm a a cinema fan much like yourself. I, uh, I follow the Criterion Collection and the Criterion Collection, I don't think anyone would be surprised that they're more liberal leaning because of their philosophies to film and the type of show, stuff that they show. And, you know, like every corporation right now, they posted a thing about, you know, uh, needing to do more and be more uh, aware of what's going on and want to do more to get the voice of minority filmmakers out there. And they already do quite a bit. I just love that one of the first comments I saw today was some guy being like, Can we weave politics out of this and just talk about movies? And I was like, Here's a company that in my heart and soul without even realizing i knew was like okay they they, they are definitely a more liberal company and here we had someone just like oh i don't want to talk about politics it's like the film is a political medium and they put out a lot of political films like where I, I don't know like it doesn't really have a point to what you're saying i just it made me think of it and I'm I'm glad you guys have not had pushback because I'm sure there's someone out there who has seen Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song or Truck Turner or Coffee and liked them and still doesn't get what Black Lives Matter is about.
0: Well, I think for us, too, like, um, I think that's part of what we hope separates us from other places. And again, I have to be careful because we have friends who are uh, doing the same thing that we are. You know, we're not at odds with other t-shirt companies other apparel companies so i want to be like oh we're better than them or something something like that that's i'm not trying to start a fight i just think we wanted to do something different and so part of our decision is what makes Mm -hmm. us punk is not just the design work and it's not just the fact that we post cool music to our stuff it's not just the fact that we made a mixtape and put that out with some of our shirts you know what i mean like it's not just these aesthetic choices there needs to be something else and Um, There are other t-shirt companies that are doing benefits that care about this, but we wanted it to be part of our DNA to be part of what people expect from us so that if anyone comes on our page and says, oh, can we just talk about movies, bro, you're the one out of place. And like that's no disrespect to Criterion. I agree with you. I think being surprised that Criterion has a voice is weird, you know. Uh, that you would be surprised by that. Same with Ben yeah. and Jerry's. Everyone's surprised that Ben and Jerry's has political opinions, but if you go to their website, it's filled with essays about race and politics. So like, you're just not paying attention. But yeah. I will, I will say that yeah. is part of the limits of capitalism, though. That like, it's considered bad form in capitalism to have ethics. In a sense, in capitalism, if you care about things, you're doing capitalism wrong. I think in the arts, we have a lot more freedom to say, well, I don't care because this is what we care about. But, like, it is weird, right, to see fast food organizations say we care about black lives. Well, that's weird. You don't pay black people particularly well or anyone, so uh mm-hmm. how, how, at what point do i believe you have these ethics you claim to have especially when if you just look a little bit back a lot of these places have donated to super conservative organizations and helped out with our getting our current president elected so like you know exactly what are your ethics here and and how far who's on the boards of these companies like if you want me to believe you care about black lives then hire black people you know what i mean let alone uh, uh, again uh, not to diminish our current issue this is you know racism is the is the founding sin of this nation you know that that between the the genocide of native peoples and the foundation of slavery in 1619 like this has been in our dna for forever but this is also only one part of a larger panorama of abuses in our country so like Okay, you everyone yeah. is upset right now at the death of George Floyd, so you're going to go out there and say black lives matter, but how many other horrible things is your company doing? Even if you manage to somehow mm-hmm. be the one company that is actually dealing with equality, then I want to know what other things that you have going on. How are you treating the environment? How are you treating uh uh gender and sexual yeah, difference? I I completely uh, agree. And you know all the, all that stuff.
1: You know, I I keep harping yeah and I keep harping back to the idea that you know, like I said, movie t- movie T-shirts for punks like that. Just that that slogan just, just spoke to me, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm you know, punk is a, is a is a genre of music that I've loved uh, for a very long time, and I've loved the the aesthetics, and I've loved the 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 message that most punks. I don't want to say all because there are some pretty shady uh, subcultures in, in punk rock, just like any anything. But I just love. I I just feel like more than ever right now, we just we need we need those old school punks from back in the day to just like get the word out. And I feel like that's something that uh, to me is, it feels like you're doing it's, you know, you're, you're kind of taking that punk rock ethos, putting it a little bit, di- you know, you're not on stage s- singing it, uh, but you're, you're taking that same energy and that same heart and that same wanting to change and put it out there in your own unique
0: way. I mean, I hope that's what we're doing. I don't want to put us up on some sort of pedestal and be like, "Yeah, we're really killing it." Um, I, I I think I want to be clear that everything I'm describing is aspirational. Well, it's,
1: it's, I think I, I think attempt is a big is a big right. part of it. Right. Exactly. I,
0: I I just want to be clear. Like, if someone comes in and has some sort of litmus test, I I don't know that yeah. we would completely pass. All I'm saying is that's what our desire is, and we're just two two dudes, you know uh trying to figure out how to, how to do this thing right and how to try to be um uh and have a creative outlet. I mean, as much as we wanted to bake in all this stuff that we care about, we also are like primarily having fun. You know, like this is a fun project. This is not a project that mm-hmm. is uh buying us homes or cars. This is definitely like a you know, every time that we decide to like, okay, I think we have enough resources that we could take a little money for ourselves. It feels a little guilty actually, because we're still trying to build this thing up. We want to be able to eventually have it like live as a, as a thing. And, uh, and that that's not easy to do. So I, I, you know, there's a little bit of like, uh, we hope this thing is what we hope it is, but you know, I don't want to pretend that we're like accomplishing big things. We, we, we did a cool design for, for a movie that I think matters, um it was it, it was even hard trying to pick the movie like which one of these cuz here's the reality is that i think films that deal with this topic are not necessarily always hugely popular you know o- or fit our aesthetic you know mm-hmm. we could have done like technically we could have done boys in the hood but that doesn't really necessarily fit our vibe per se though maybe we could have done that actually now that i'm thinking about it but we talked about like some la rebellion films and you know it was just a question of like what fits the vibe what has a bit of a message to it what also is something that we can sell and that's i think one of the hardest things to figure out is like um how do we do something we can be proud of but people are actually going to pay for Uh, because we've done a couple things that i think are pretty cool that did didn't quite get people's attention
1: i guess kind of a, a change of pace here for a second when it come when you're when you're trying to do a t-shirt drop something like this are there rights involved do you ever have to con- reach out to any of these people does Melvin Van Peebles know that you're making a t-shirt off of this and if he does what does he think
0: Oh 100% um and I, you know I I am more than willing to talk about this because this is a uh, much like my show there's not a lot of people listening Uh no the we are we are in the legions of bootleg companies we we have no rights whatsoever Um, I think there's a certain point where we would kind of have to get the rights because at a certain point, if you're making a a ton of money off of something, you know, besides just the fact that uh, someone will find you eventually, uh, it's also just not very ethical to like take money from someone's thing. So if we were if we were killing it, I think we'd have to start figuring out how to pay for things. And, you know, the the rights aren't actually that expensive uh, if you're making like if you're selling like a for 5,000 shirts, I think you could actually afford the rights or whatever. Uh, You know, we're, we're not there yet Uh, right now. That's sort of like how we're thinking of it as a fan club. We're paying homage to these things. But I think even with that, at some point you just, you kind of have to do it. So, uh, you know, there's a certain freedom in being a bootlegger because some of these shirts, uh, the movies, the rights are just in limbo. It's like impossible to know who to contact for some of them. Uh, but for, uh, other ones, I think, yeah, eventually it's something we're going to have to figure out. Assuming we continue to grow, there's a very real chance that this thing might never get past where it's at. So then it won't really become an issue. But yeah, right now we're, we're, we're doing it on a fan club level. Uh, and, that's true of a lot of places. I don't know other people's numbers. So hopefully if you're selling a lot of shirts, you're, you know, paying for the, the rights to those. Uh, but, uh, there are a lot of folks who are kind of just, uh, making shirts and waiting to see what happens
1: to me. What, what feels, um, at least a little bit more ethical about it is while you may be using the right, you may be using a film like say coffee or, um, Uh, uh, rock and roll high school or blowout and you may be using images from iconic from the film you're making your own art you're making your own um designs and i i don't i imagine there's a lot of artists out there who are doing say paintings of uh friday the 13th part three who might sell prints who probably don't have the rights to get for that film and i feel like is, is you making your own art at least helps with that and you acknowledge the fact that what you're, you know that you are bootlegging and that you want to get to the point where you can start getting official licenses for these films and you also make a great point that who knows who owns the rights to some of these films i feel like melvin van peebles would be fucking cool with this but you know who knows
0: well, and that doesn't. And that's the thing. We've had the endorsement of a couple things that we've done uh, from people involved in the production and, and who've actually helped us promote them, which I really appreciate. But just because uh, a director or someone who is in the movie thinks it's cool, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to think it's cool. And the rights can be really yeah. different. Like um, some people control the rights to their own images and stuff. So there's there's a there's a lot of complications there. Uh, and for me, it's pretty easy. The minute someone tells us, yo, don't do that, then we won't do it. Like, I think that's the other thing is that, like, you just know that if someone asks you not to do something you, then you just don't do it. Uh, but right now, we haven't had to deal with that. Uh, I, it might become an issue eventually. But, I mean, I'll be honest. I look forward to that issue coming up a little bit because that means that we've grown to a certain point that people notice. Uh, and that that'll be cool. Uh, but I also think I don't know. I I mean I'm not one to judge anyone, but I, but I do think it's it's a conversation worth having eventually. Just because I do think art is worth something, so I don't want anyone to think uh, we think these movies aren't worth anything or that people shouldn't get paid from from them. You know, uh, I do think the art that we're making is is an homage, but I think eventually you know people still deserve some sort of compensation but you know i've been to enough like art markets where people make their own paintings that have images and stuff on it i don't think if if you're selling that that you should you know there's some level at which you're just making a piece of art you know and uh it would be silly for you to have to send a hundred bucks to uh Arnold Schwarzenegger every time you put his image on something that just seems a little a little weird but uh if we were killing it you know i think that would be just the right thing to do you know so whatever i'm not here to make other people's Mm -hmm. ethical decisions for them i think as far as the way things go we're pretty much standard with what a lot of people are but uh i think at some point it'd be worth and 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 I think it'd be kind of cool. The part of the thing about getting rights for something is that it it involves a lot of research and I actually kind of like research. So I think if we get to that point, I don't think that's a burden. I think it's kind of fun. It's just uh, financially, it'll just mean stuff costs more, but so be it.
1: Yeah, actually, I'm with you. the re- The research aspect of it is a lot of fun. Like, when I was uh, in in film school, I was trying to find the rights to a specific song and figure out track them down to see one if the fil- if it's possibly in the public domain and if it's not, who owns the rights to it. And uh, and it sometimes puts you in contact with very strange people. Like uh, I don't remember the song or what the context of it was, but I was trying. At one point, I was emailing Robert Goulet's wife, and it's like, how did I get here? And it's just kind of it's just it's kind of fun just following the trail of what gets you to certain places.
0: Yeah, I agree. You never know what you're gonna find.
1: So I guess let me ask you this before we wrap up: What's next for both Cinepunks and Rough Cut? Like, what where where do you, what do you want to see have happen?
0: That's a good question. Um, well, for Rough Cut, we're we're just still building. We're just gonna keep doing what we're doing. Um, we have some cool designs coming up. We have one that's already ready to go, but we delayed it to do the sweetback uh, one. Uh, and I think we're looking for more collaborations. There's a, a clothing company in Australia that hit us up that wants to collaborate. We have some friends in both music and apparel who've talked about collaborating. Um, there's just the two of us and we both have other jobs. So like, uh, it's hard to get everything going when it comes to collaborations. Sometimes it's easier to work on our own, but I just think it, it creates more of a community feel if we can work with other people. Um, and I know uh, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a feeling that eventually we could expand into other things, like assuming movie theaters ever open again, it'd be cool to work with movie theaters and do like a shirt that coincides with uh, a screening, you know? So it's like, we're going to screen blah Blah blood movie. We're going to have a shirt that's available at the movie. Uh, We'll have a version online, but if you want this specific colorway, it's only going to be at the movie. Uh, stuff like that. I just think there's fun, fun things like that we could do for Rough Cut. Um, eventually, I think we want to like establish and be a business and have an office and all that kind of stuff. Right now, we just kind of exist in a haze. Um, but I kind of like that uh, as well. So there's there's a little bit of freedom there. Uh, I think we're also we just did a zine uh that went with our black exploitation drop a few months ago now both the extras from the black exploitation drop and the zines are available on our website i think we'd like to do more zines that was in uh um in collaboration with scheme who uh, the nostalgia king is a dj uh he's really great and he wrote a piece for it and helped us you know sort of put that together and made, even made a playlist for it so Uh, He's really great, and um, I think we'd like to do more collaborations like that into the future and people we can work with. Uh, As far as CinePunks, you know, we have just added a new show uh, called B-Sides with Boog. It's uh, actually this dude, uh, Joe, who used to be on a show called The Horror Show that was really popular with a lot of people. Uh, He has a music podcast, and uh, he just moved it over to us. Uh, We got a bunch of new episodes coming out, and we actually have a – uh online film marathon that we were going to do this weekend june 6th but uh with everything going on we postponed it It just seems like folks would probably rather be at a protest than sitting on their computer watching movies so we're going to postpone that and move it uh i don't know next week or the week after but uh pretty soon um and then once things sort of open up a little bit and people can like be around each other again i think we're going to do some Live cinepunks events, probably film screenings, but we're still kind of working out venue stuff and things like that. But uh, there's also a couple new shows that'll be joining the network soon. Uh, but they're still like being developed, so I don't want to say too much about that. I will say we host a lot of writing on the site, uh, but we're always looking for more. We'd really like to get to the point where we're constantly sort of publishing stuff uh and we just don't have that right now because we don't have any income so people are writing for free and that means uh-huh. it's, it's spotty so if people out there have a have a cool idea for something they want to do uh we really prefer essays to reviews but we do post reviews like if there's nothing wrong with uh standard reviews if you've got a uh, something a movie that you're not seeing people talk about and you want to a review on our site that's great but we really love like essays like if you have an essay about a movement in film or a take on something or whatever and we'll do music and books too it's not limited just to, to film on the site but film is sort of like our primary focus uh go ahead and hit us up we have an email cinepunks at gmail that's p-u-n-x uh let us know what you what you want to do, and, and we'd be interested to talk to you about it. That
1: sounds awesome. And I, backtrack just a tiny little bit. Uh, the the zine culture, which uh, is a little, I think, is a little before my time. Uh, they were they were kind of dying out by the time I started getting to the point of uh, of being interested in them. Extremely jealous. Like I, I always thought that was such a cool movement, and I and I'm, I I wish more people were still doing them. Uh, at one point I had thought about starting one myself, but then like I sat down to start, start writing one. I was like, wait, I don't know what the fuck to write about. (laughs) So I think it's really cool that you're kind of bringing that back. And it's something I always want to be uh, a part of.
0: Yo, zines are pretty great. I I wish I was kind of more involved in zine culture, but, uh, it's hard when you're not in an urban area because then you just have to find them on the internet. Uh, whereas if you're in a neighborhood that has Mm -hmm. like a coffee shop or a bookstore that sells them, that makes it a lot easier.
1: Oh, yeah. And like, I I definitely am. So, like, there's there's definitely places where I could get it out there. And, um, but, and then the couple of zines that I do see floating around, a lot of times they're being handed out for free. So then it like, be, like, then it becomes kind of a passion project and you're not really making it for anything. Um, but I guess before we we wrap up here, I guess I do have a like is there anything else that you want to say about what's going on in the world right now? Something you're passionate about or something that people should be looking out for or in your opinion think something more people should be doing. Like this is kind of your pedestal, it's kind of your time to talk.
0: Sure. I mean, I just think people shouldn't buy into the narrative that um what's going on is just uh, there's a few racist cops and we just got to be careful that we have less racist cops and then everything will be OK. The problem here is like multi layered. One is obviously white supremacy that 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 uh, racism is is part of our country. It's part of our culture and we all need to work better to uh, overcome it and to uh, really address the racism in our systems and in our society as well as racism in ourselves. And that's very true. I also think there's just an inherent issue with the police and that um, that issue is mm-hmm. also r- related to racism. That racism itself is baked into the idea of police, that policing started with groups of people sent out to collect runaway slaves. That's how policing started in this country. And so it's worth acknowledging that that is built into it. And so... Um, the ways that we think about criminality is racialized the way that we think about who police are and what they do is racialized that in a way even when police aren't white they're made into this image of the white knight and uh that's not real that is uh, a lie about how people are and how people operate um and so i think finally the question becomes is policing and prisons and the entire way that we do criminal justice. Is that the only way it can be? Is that the only option? It's weird to say it is the only option because it's also new. If you take in all of human history, the way that we do this is a new thing. And in a, in a, in a sense, it was a good idea when it first started, because in, in a lot of ways, some of the developments of the prison system that, seem really problematic now were actually solutions to a problem of mob justice of murder of people just getting executed uh and and so we developed these ways that were seen as being more uh humane and and in a sense I don't think that's wrong I just think over time we've learned that it's not quite working and so even the basic assumption if someone does wrong they have to be punished I think there's an inherent ethical claim there and there's also an inherent ontological claim because what we're saying is if they do wrong, then there's some mm, scale that has to be set right. Well, in reality, there is no literal scale. It doesn't actually matter. It matters only to the extent that it affects the rest of us. And so in that sense, if we put someone in jail for 100 years... How does that help anyone? It doesn't help them. It's We already know that time in jail doesn't make someone less of a criminal. It doesn't actually mean that they won't do more crime when they get out. It doesn't improve their lives in any way. I don't even think you could say they learned a lesson while they're in there. And it certainly doesn't help us because it costs a ton of money. And except for the few companies that figured out ways to exploit the labor of prisoners, it doesn't help the rest of society. So my question becomes, is there not a model of how we do criminal justice that wouldn't also actually benefit people. Uh, and I don't think that means that what people hear, which is like anyone can do what they want. There's no repercussions. I think it's inevitable that there are repercussions. The question is, should the repercussions be you just have to suffer to what, to make some man in the sky happy? Cause that's really what it boils down to. Or is it about how does the society benefit from, the fact that you uh, have now some repercussions for what you did. And so uh, there has to be a way that is more humane, that is more about acknowledge the humanity of people, that still also doesn't let anything happen without any repercussions. And the crazy thing is that that's part of our conversation now, because as focused as we have been on criminals paying repercussions, in order for us to make that happen, we kind of have created a system where cops don't have any repercussions and that doesn't work it can't be that some people have repercussions and other people don't uh and that's also then tied into the racial dynamics of it because who ends up paying repercussions more when they do violate laws it ends up being people of color primarily black people and so i think I don't think we have to help people see the injustice or at least the people who are so blind that they don't see that there's injustice are so far gone that I don't know how to help them see better. It's so obvious. I think the question becomes, is, are we convinced that reforms are enough? And I am not convinced of that. Uh, I'm willing to say it's hard to know because so far no reforms have stuck, that the system is pretty much as bad as it has been uh, and hasn't really had any improvements for the most part. Uh, So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this time reforms will stick. And we'll have a more just system. And 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 I'm not writing that off completely. I just think we should consider that there's a different way of doing it. And um, reforms aren't going to work, especially when we see police out in the streets unwilling to even acknowledge that maybe something is wrong here. So that's all. That's my rant.
1: No, I think I think it's it's you've kind of. Uh summed up a lot of what I've been feeling the last well, last couple of years, but then specifically that it's all been coming out, you know, the last week or two as well. That, you know, we are we I I honestly believe, or at least I'm I'm hopeful. I guess I'm hopeful that because of how fed up every everyone's been to the point that we've had this boiling point now that if a real change is gonna happen I'd like to believe it's going to be, it's going to come after this because like what's happened, what's happening now is not new. It's just, we've, we, uh, the, the volcano's finally erupted.
0: Yeah. It's tied to a so. long, long, long history. Uh, and I, and I think, you know, for, for, for white folks listening, listen to your, uh, black friends or maybe not even friends, but, but black leaders, people in your area who have something to say, uh, but also know like the the black community is not univocal. There's there's not one voice for black folks, the same way there's not one voice for any other group of people. And so it might take a while for that community to come to a decision about the sorts of things they want. And it might be different in different places. Some places might hear me being like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about the police and be Mm -hmm. horrified that they, they just want better police, but they still want police. Other places they're ready now, man, Mm -hmm. they're ready to defund. They're ready to try something else. They're ready to at minimum limit contact. And so, Uh, I just think it's time for for the white community to listen, and even though I have strong opinions as a person of color and as a person who's very much on the left, I'm also willing to take instruction from different communities that, you know, I I don't know what it's like to be black, you know, Uh, as as someone who's Puerto Rican, that doesn't mean I have that same experience, that this is a system where it doesn't pay to not be white but it's certainly not the same for everybody. And so um, I think it's just, if if I have to listen and learn from the black community, certainly white folks just need to, need to stop talking so much and open their ears and hear what people are saying and accept that, that the folks you're listening to are not a monolith and you might get a few different ideas from them and they might have some things that are working out. It's one of my fears is that, in our attempt to listen to people that we kind of like conflate them all into one voice. And that's not fair either. You know, we're, we're part of, we're all part of a society where we have different ideas and we're trying to work out what we think.
1: I completely agree. That's you. You said it better than I could. honestly. Let me tell you, it seems like you've kind of been, uh, you've been stewing on this for a little while where, um, cause normally this, my, this show doesn't get, uh, overly political, uh, just because we, uh, um, I don't want to try to say we're staying neutral. That's far from far from what we're doing. It's just usually what we're talking about, which is movies. Uh, current events don't come up very often. Sure, and kind yeah. of what you were saying earlier, I thought I would just be I'd be foolish if I didn't use my my very small platform to say something or to speak to to someone who has something to say. Um, you know, I'm I I have opinions and I share almost identical to yours. I just didn't know if I could. Uh, get them out in a way that's made sense. So I was like, well, here's my chance to talk with someone who I feel would be very passionate about it and we can open this dialogue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to say because I have strong opinions. I'm right. Like people are more than welcome to hit me up on whatever social media and, and let me know why they disagree with me. Um, I just, you know, I do, you know, it is something that I've studied. It's something that I've cared about for a long time. it's been, connected to the work that i've done and so uh i i very much have ideas on it but i'm actually not that different from you in that even though we're doing this thing with rough cut for my podcast we don't get to talk about a lot of politics we we you know i took a moment on a couple of my shows to say something about it but it's not the focus of the show so getting an opportunity to say a little bit more Mm -hmm. is kind of nice because I, i i don't like make it a focus of those shows i you know and part of that comes from also feeling like even though i do have a certain amount of expertise, I don't feel like an expert. And so if I started another show where I actually just talked about politics or whatever else, it's a little hard to know how to do that. Cause I'm like, well, who am I? Who cares what I think? You know what I mean? Like it, simply knowing that yeah. you have a perspective and that per- perspective isn't uneducated. Doesn't mean that you think, well, therefore everyone should listen to me. It's like, well, oh, no, I got stuff to say, but I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there are people far more qualified than I am who should probably have a platform before I do.
1: Plus, I, I don't know, I feel like if, if you're a, a a program, a show, a musician, whatever, you know, what have you, that doesn't normally discuss politics, I feel like when you do, more people are willing to listen. Like, oh, this is out of the norm for them, whereas, you know, if a political show has opinions about what's going on, it's business as usual. But if something something is going on that makes you break out of your norm for what you are normally about— and makes you want to stand up and say something, I feel like people are willing to perk their ears a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah.
1: But I I think that's all I have. The only other thing I was going to say is if uh, you ever decide to do a reprint of that coffee t-shirt, let me know. But other than that, I think uh, that's all I had to really say.
0: We don't have it in your size?
1: No, I'm on the website. It just says sold out.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's totally sold out. Oh, that's funny. There must be some I haven't shipped yet then because I still have some here.
1: yeah it says you're sold out so if you ever do a reprint just let me know
0: well we should we should be doing pretty soon a thing we call choose your Own adventure where we just have people vote on designs they want us to reprint uh but we only do one so you just have to vote and hope for the best um who knows if it'll be i'm gonna coffee.
1: create a bunch of accounts and just vote for coffee yeah i'm just gonna vote for a bunch i'm just gonna
0: yo that's okay i'm okay with. <laughs> just so it's i can buy my one
1: coffee t-shirt <laughs> I'd have to say like coffee blew me away that when the first I, I don't think coffee was the first black exploitation film that I saw, but coffee was definitely the one that had the biggest impact on me because like I had an idea when I when I saw it when I was in high school, I had an idea of what I thought black exploitation was about. And to an extent it is. Like I had, you know, I was imagining, you know, kind of over the top, slightly cartoony. Uh, you know, lots of color, and you know, like, kind of like, say, like, the Rudy Ray Moore films, or Superfly, and things like that, coffee blew me away, because at the time, it was the most gritty exploitation film I had seen, and it just felt so raw, and so real, and uh, yeah, so I always had a special place for coffee, I know a lot of people love coffee, but I the more I think about it, the more I think it's probably my favorite black exploitation film because it's the one that had the the biggest impact on me. And there's images from that film that are like burnt into my retinas.
0: Yeah, I feel you on that. It's it's not the first one I saw either, but it was one of the ones that like meant the most to me. Um, I think it, I I think it kind of excels beyond some of the most obvious ones. You know, I like it more than Shaft. I like it more than Superfly. Uh, there's other ones I like a little more. Uh, maybe but i i don't know it's it's uh it's hard to say i i don't know it might be one of my favorites but you know that's a lot of that's just because of pam greer right it's not even really just the movie itself it's like how magnetic mm-hmm. she is and it, i think it's her best performance excluding possibly weirdly scream black of the Scream*.
1: yeah i guess the I I, I I lied i've got one other thing that i'd like to end on because um, right now especially on the internet there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, pages and posts and i even saw on cinepunks you you posted an article about um films uh by by black filmmakers that people should be checking out um and surprisingly and probably part of the reason why is most black a lot of black exploitation was made by wasn't made by people of color but since it kind of goes into the theme of what we're talking about if you had to give give one black exploitation recommendation for people to go and watch this weekend what would it be
0: Whew, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big one. Um, only because I really... Yeah, love I the just sprung sh- that on you. <laughs> no, 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 I know. Only because I really love the genre, but some of it is like actually like massively problematic, even though I like the movies. Uh, and I feel mm-hmm. like right right now is probably the time to watch things that are almost entirely uplifting. Um, uh, so let me think about that. Well, first of all, I would say an underrated one is uh, Ganjin Hess. I think um, it's uh, specifically horror, so if you don't vibe on horror, that probably wouldn't be your thing. But uh, I think it uniquely deals with issues of race and religion and class. Uh, it's very artistic, which I don't think people expect from exploitation. But I think it, uh, I think it's it's one of the more amazing movies I've ever seen. Um, obviously, sweet sweetback's badass song, which I think is available to stream right now on Canopy and Fandor. So. Uh, I'd recommend that. Uh, I also think Top of the Heap is a very weird movie. I don't even know if you call it exploitation. It's it's a, definitely a uh, black film, but I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, it's from that time period, so people just say exploitation, but I don't know. Uh, and then one of my favorites is a film that I think uh, straddles the line between exploitation and L.A. Rebellion. So for people who don't know, around the time – that black exploitation was sort of happening as a cultural event. There was this like arts community in L.A. that was putting out uh, black focused films uh, that were a little more artsy and a little less exploitative. And what's great about the movie Penitentiary is that it is the artsy take on an exploitative movie. Like it still is basically an exploitation movie, but... It has a lot more to say and is a little interesting done. I mean, it still has some problematic aspects, but those are connected to it being set in a prison. Uh, And I think that director is pretty great. If you can check out his other movies, uh, Welcome Home, Brother Charles and um, MMA. That's an insane one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same director. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I like both movies, actually, Penitentiary 1 and 2. Uh, I think penitentiary one's better, but they're both pretty good. So I think that director is worth checking out. I think also, I thought I saw someone post that, uh, that movie killer of sheep is available, but I think it's only, I don't think it's easy to stream. I think it's like on a a university website or something, but if you can check that out, I think that's, I forget the name of the director of that Charles something, Bradley Baker. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, I think those are all great places to start. If you're just looking for something, a lot of those are heavy. If you're looking for something fun, um, Strangely, Cooley High is actually a uh, uh, a real good time, and I, is it is a big influence on a lot of other films, and I would highly recommend checking that out. Uh, plus, it was in the the title of the first Boys to Men record, so there you go. Uh,
1: you actually picked a lot of the ones that I was going to recommend. I will say Ganja and Hess for those who are interested is currently streaming on Shutter. Uh, Penitentiary one and two I surprisingly have not seen, so um. I, and it's a shame because uh, I think Vinegar Syndrome, who released them, I think their copies are not out of print. So like, I need to find a way to see it. I've seen uh, that director. I'm I don't. I'm gonna mispronounce his name, so I didn't really want to try. Uh, but I've seen Welcome Home, Brother Charles. I've seen MMA, uh, and he's got a really unique voice. Uh, and I'm gonna throw on top of that since if you want something. A little bit more fun. that still got a lot to say. And it's also interesting, too, because he plays into some of the stereotypes himself. Uh, everyone knows uh, Rudy Ray Moore in terms of Dolomite, but I really like P.D. Wheatstraw. Yeah,
0: that's a great one.
1: So I recommend everyone go see P.D. Wheatstraw if you get a chance to. I think it's I think the subtitle is P.D. Wheatstraw, Son-in-Law of Satan. I might I, I might be butchering that subtitle a little bit, but P.D. Wechsler is a uh, is a good time, and it's got the typical Rudy Ray Moore uh, stick. But I um, I think by the time he made P.D. Wechsler, he was a stronger filmmaker than he was when he made Dolomite. Dolomite might have some more classic moments, but I think P.D. Wechsler is probably a, it, I think P.D. Straw is a better film.
0: I agree. I agree with that. I like Dolomite a lot, but I think um, I think Dolomite really works as a companion piece to the movie about Dolomite you know what I mean like uh, I think those two mm-hmm. together is a lot of fun Dolomite on it's own is fun but it's a little too easy to laugh at it and I think that's unfair when it was so important for so many people you know um, uh, but I think Petey Wheatstraw is a much stronger film
1: yeah so I really appreciate you coming on the show Liam and, and talking to me uh, considering, hey. like I said, we had just met each other the other day and it was just like hey like oh shit I, I want to have you on and talk about this and um and i'm probably going to release it tomorrow uh i'm going to try to power through today as long as long as i get the audio from you relatively soon i'm going to try to power through it today and, and and get it up by tomorrow or saturday just because like i it could say it's topical and yeah i I, sounds would, good. I want i want to move some more units i want to move some more of your the sweet sweet back shirts because not only is it a movie that i legitimately love it rocked it rocked me the first time I saw it because I didn't know what yeah. to make out of it. Uh, but it was a movie that I've not been able to stop thinking about. I legitimately like the design, and I think it's going to a great cause. And um, and honestly, I can't think of many other companies who are doing black exploitation T-shirts or even doing T-shirts for the shirts you have. Like, that blowout shirt is pretty cool. And I had a, a friend of mine who pre- who's never seen Sweet Sweetback's badass song. I, I've told him about it. Ad nauseum. I used to work with him. He pre-ordered the shirt, never having seen the movie, uh, because of how much I uh, I, to- I talked to him about it, and because he wanted to support the cause. And uh, he's been obsessed with your T-shirt for the killer ever since. So he might end up buying that.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, we we try to do a variety of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that we've done in the past that isn't up there. People will see when we do this uh, when we do this vote on the next design. You'll see how broad we've gone because we've we've been all over the place. Um, But as soon as something is sold out and we know we're not going to print it anytime soon, we hide it away. Uh, And I was thinking that we probably need to make like some sort of archive so people can see all the different stuff we've done. But if you go to our Instagram, uh, everything's still on there. So if people just like scroll through our Instagram, you'll see the insane variety of things we've gotten to do. Uh, And really, all that variety is not about us. It's about how people have been willing to follow us people have been willing to buy shirts for stuff that aren't usually the sorts of things that sell well usually what sells well is the most obvious horror and yet we've done pretty good on some really weird stuff so that's that's a that's a testament to the to the uh customers and how cool they are it's not really about us so we appreciate that and thank you for having me on i really am glad i got to talk to you i gotta i gotta run pretty quick here uh but that's a testament to the fact that we were on here for a while because it's been a fun conversation
1: it has been well i'll let you go and and you know be a dad and do all the other things you got to do and i really
2: appreciate your time and send me that audio whenever you get a chance cool. to buddy
0: all right thanks man i'll talk to you soon
2: the shameless picture show is recorded in milwaukee wisconsin and eastern maryland is hosted and produced by nick richards and michael viers and is more often than not edited by michael viers any tv or youtube versions of the show to date have been edited by nick richards tyler Hanna, or dina villani our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration from Zach McClain. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band Ten Speed, and our new kick ass logo was designed by Amanda Byers. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors at Mill Creek Entertainment and Vinegar Syndrome. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links to all these tremendous votes, as well as the show in the description below. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.